Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Josefa Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Welcome, everybody, to episode number 99 of Get Paid for Your Pad. I'm still in uh, San Francisco, and today I'm talking to one of the earliest adopters of Airbnb. He started in 2009, and I'm very excited to, to talk to him. So, Ivan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jasper. You're welcome. So, 2009, that's seven years ago. Seven years ago, I was... Uh... I was, I've been hosting on Airbnb since their very first year. I was lucky enough to go to the one-year anniversary party at the old uh, Roush Street listing where Brian and Joe started Airbnb or airbedandbreakfast.com as it was called then. And uh, we've been hosting nonstop since then. We've had a guest every month, at least every month since that time. And in the last few years, we've been busy close to 300 nights a year. Wow. And so the first thing I would, I would like to ask you is, how did you hear about Airbnb? Because in 2009, very few people know about Airbnb. Yeah, I, I remember it well. I read an article about President Obama's first inauguration, which was a very exciting time, the first African-American president. And it seemed like everybody in America wanted to go to Washington, D.C. to, to witness um, his inauguration. And I read an article about how hard it was for people to find a place to stay when they were there. And someone was quoted as saying, I'm staying on the floor in a living room of a stranger's house on an air mattress with three other people I don't know. And we all found it through this website, airbedandbreakfast.com. And I thought it sounded like a, a really interesting idea. Um, it made me think of when my wife, Wendy, and I traveled um, in Eastern Europe and we stayed in the homes of um, usually we called them the babushkas, the older women who came and met the trains and um, tried to find travelers to stay in their spare bedrooms. And it was always like the grown room or the room of a grown child who had left home. We stayed in the pink pony room one time. Um, the whole, the walls were lined with the daughter's pony collection, but she was off to college. So we got her room and it was always a great experience. So I thought it would be fun to do the same thing without having to go meet people at the train station. Yeah. Absolutely. So for those who don't, uh, who are not familiar with the history of Airbnb, uh, the founders actually started in San Francisco and they started renting out just a, a, an air bed in their living room, right? Yeah, they started because there was a conference, a design conference that was oversold in town. And uh, they had a lot of friends who wanted to come to the conference and couldn't find a place to stay. And so they made this website special for the conference listing and um, they were listening and then tried to get their friends to do the same thing. And then from there, my understanding is they then thought they could do this for other oversold events around the country. So like South by Southwest was, I, th I think, a big deal for them. But they were making new websites for each event. And right. it, took, it took them a while to come to the idea of, oh, we could do this all the time everywhere. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think if you if you Google air bed and breakfast, I think you can still find like screenshots of what the old website looked like. It's kind of fun to uh, to look at it because obviously it looked very different from what it's now. Yeah, I went from Airbed and Breakfast to Airbnb.com and the the look and feel didn't change when the brand name changed. So they had this kind of funny Airbnb cloud logo. It wasn't funny. It was a, yeah, it was was a nice logo. One, right? Yeah, the blue and white yeah, cloud yeah. logo. Yeah, when I started, it was still blue. And then I remember when they changed it to the sort of the coral pink. Yeah. That wasn't too long ago, right? Because I remember when I was writing my book, <laughs> In January 2014, I think it was still blue because I, I kind of remember I had to change the colors. <laughs> that would make sense. <laughs> there was yeah. a lot of press about their change to the new logo, if right. you recall. Yeah, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, And, uh, and they, they changed a lot of things, you know? Like, it's funny because on the one hand, I think one of the great things about Airbnb, one of the things that they do really well is they continually innovate the platform you know they keep adding features they keep changing things and so which is great but every time they change something you know, i have to update my book yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's probably tough for you because there are there's a lot of changes and they don't always tell um the hosts that changes that, are happening uh, yeah, that's right and they usually uh they usually launch something new in a specific area so it'd be like you're first in san francisco maybe and then in some other cities right so by the time i see it you know, it might have already been there for a while, but when I see it, it might not have been rolled out to the rest of the world. So, you know, yeah. sometimes I'll, you know, I'll, I'll write about something and then people say, hey, I, I, I can't see that. Like, I don't have that feature. You know? Right. So, it's, um, it, uh, things get rolled out even at different times to people in the same city because I have a lot of friends who host, um, people I've helped bring into the hosting world and um we always talk about hosting and i'll write a write a quick email and like hey did you get do you get this update can you believe the new thing and they'll write back and say i don't have that it's the same as it was okay so we've discovered that you don't even necessarily have the same site as your neighbors (laughs) right even within the cities it varies right yeah so let's go back to 2009 because you know i can imagine back then there were so few hosts that were you in touch with the with the founders at that time? Yeah, I met them at the for the first time at the one year anniversary party, and then they had they have had a number of different events over the years um, where they've invited a lot of the longtime hosts to things. Um, mm-hmm. They had a, a really great happy hour not too long ago. It was nice. They had about fifty hosts and fifty pretty high up Airbnb employees and the founders were all at that. And they really just wanted us to kind of chat with the people in the company mm-hmm. to get that perspective of the, the host's view of things and how it felt on our side. And they've been good about sort of doing that over and over throughout the years. I think they're, they're very involved with the hosts that they have early on. They wanted everyone who worked for the company to be a host as well. Um, yep. Though I don't think that's a requirement anymore. Do you think that um, Brian Chesky is still hosting? I don't know. I don't think so. I've heard that he still occasionally books a room here and there. Um, and I've heard that the couch at Roush Street is still available on occasion. But I believe that with the San Francisco regulations being what they are, um, I think they had to take that listing down as a permanent listing. Oh, so they had to take the original Airbnb listing down. They became a victim of their own success. <laughs> exactly. Literally. Yep. Yep. They found other ways to make money, it seems. 
Yeah, I guess like we don't have to worry too much about Mr. Chesky's uh, well-being. I think he's fine. I think he'll be able to pay his rent this month. So what are your thoughts on the regulation? Like last week, I, I talked with Bruce, who's the leader of the uh, Home Sharers Democratic Club here in San Francisco. What are your thoughts on the regulations? Like, Because we, we just found out yesterday, I think, that Airbnb is suing the city of San Francisco over the new regulations. And so that, that's interesting. And uh, the reason that they are suing the city is because Airbnb of uh, San Francisco is trying to fine Airbnb for every host who doesn't comply with the regulations. But there's a, there's a number of laws in place, is my understanding, that say that if you run a platform, you're not responsible for the content that people put on your platform. And I know that in the past, eBay and some other platforms have had, have had similar uh, problems, and they've, but they've always won the lawsuits because you know, the court, the judges, they have always said, well, you know, it's your platform, but you're, you're not responsible for the content. So Airbnb can basically say, hey, uh, you should find a host, not us. And so that's why they, uh, they are suing right now. So what, what are your thoughts on all this? That's a minefield for me to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we are, uh, just for the record, we are registered hosts in San Francisco. When, when, yeah. the, when the registration process was created, I was very much in support of the law to create a legal way to be a host in San Francisco. And as soon as it was allowed, I went down and registered. Um, we're registration number 28. So I wasn't first, but we got there pretty quickly. Right. And the registration process was um, a bit of a pain. It, there were a lot of different steps to it and a lot of things to show and provide. But I feel like it was a fairly fair and reasonable piece of legislation. And my understanding, though I haven't been through it, again, because we're registered already, but my understanding is the registration process is getting easier and easier. The city is getting better at understanding how to get hosts through the system to get their properties registered and helping us to provide the things that we need. So now that guests, now that hosts, excuse me, now that hosts can register, um, I'm in favor of really only having registered listings be available. The city has taken the strategy of trying to force Airbnb and the other hosting platforms to comply with a law that it's I'm no legal expert, but like you said, there's been plenty of prior case um, examples where hosting platforms or platforms with content were not responsible for the behavior of their users. Um, but to counter that, there's no reason that Airbnb can't um, encourage or even enforce the, the rule that there can only be registered listings. Um, there's no reason that they can't help the city to find the Scofflaw hosts who aren't registered. And it would be nice from my perspective to see Airbnb doing that, though I understand why they don't want to. Right. So, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a difficult issue. I understand both sides of it. And it's a very, I've noticed, uh, you know, I've been here for, for a little bit now in San Francisco. I've noticed like almost everyone has an opinion on, on the matter, right? Because I've been taking a, a lot of Uber pool rides. <laughs> I really like the concept of Uber pool. Uh, for those who don't know, um, you probably know Uber, but in San Francisco, they have a thing called Uber pool, which means that you get picked up by Uber, and but you're sharing the car with somebody else. There could be another person or I think up to 
two other riders can be on the ride. And so they, uh, what the Uber app does, it, it kind of looks at where you're going and then it tries to pick up other people on the same route. And that really brings the cost down. But it's also really fun to talk to some random people in, in the car, right? So I've been chatting to everyone. <laughs> and, you know, I always ask people what they think of Airbnb and, and, and the regulations, et cetera. So uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because everyone has an opinion. And what I've seen so far is e- either people are strongly in favor of Airbnb or they're pretty strongly against it, you know? There's a lot of people who seem to think that Airbnb is kind of the, the cause of a lot of problems. Like the, they're talking about the rents going up and they're talking about like people getting evicted and stuff. And then at the, on the other hand, there's also a lot of people that I spoke to who think it's, it's crazy, you know, because they say, you know, if you own a home, you should be able to do what you want with it. You know, it's your property. You've worked for it. You paid for it. And no, you know, no authority should have any say on that. So I've, I've heard lots of uh, different opinions and, uh, you know, it's. I think it will be probably a uh, hot topic for quite a long time, and it's not just here. It's in in, in Amsterdam, in Berlin, Paris, New York. It's it's yeah. you know, it's it's the same discussion everywhere. So and hopefully, at some point, there will be like a status quo where everyone kind of like agrees on on some sort of like middle way. I think that you can't you can't come up with one concept that works in every city because the housing needs in San Francisco are so intense that people see any kind of housing issue as a displacement issue there and san francisco is a uh, it's overcrowded like there's just nowhere else to build there's nowhere else to go mm-hmm. yeah. so every time a unit is turned into a full-time hotel then there is one less place for someone to be living in town i, I like the way that the city balanced that problem by saying that you can only host in the home in which you live and that means that if you live and share your home you can have someone in your home 365 days a year. If you're renting out your entire home, you can only rent it up to 90 days a year mm-hmm. by the city's definition of, quote, where you live. So they found a balance that that seems reasonable, but enforcing it has been the problem. And uh, it's always going to be the case in San Francisco when anyone sees a unit taken off the market that's not available for a full-time resident, they're going to get up in arms about that. And, you know, you look at Uber, like you mentioned Uber pool, but just Uber itself, that it's been basically outlawed in Austin, Texas, based on maybe fingerprinting of the drivers or something like that. But these new technologies are are kind of running up against existing um, legislation systems that they haven't always done a good job or even any job of complying with existing laws. I mean, when Airbnb started in San Francisco, the whole notion of a short-term rental like this was, by definition, illegal, unless you had a, a short-term rental license, a hotel mm-hmm. license, basically. Right. So every booking from 2009, when they first started, or 2008, until until San Francisco passed the law, every booking was illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, but laws change with the times, and it's working. It's just taking a long time, and people are frustrated by the by the delays and process right all right well let's talk about uh the actually the the hosting part of uh of airbnb you know you you've been doing it since 2009 so you've obviously got a ton of experience you've hosted over 400 
guests. I, uh, I understand 400 groups of guests, 400 stays. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're, uh, I think we've had 396 reviews and not everyone leaves a review, as you know. Right. So yeah. we're well over 400. We've had countless wonderful experiences. We have uh, you know, people who have been guests who are now friends, people who've returned year after year. Every year at the same time, I have one set of parents who come to visit their kids over spring break. You know, and it's like having your aunt and uncle come back and visit. It's great. So you get a lot of people who come back? Yeah, yeah, plenty of people who come back. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, we're so busy now that a lot of the times the people who want to come back realize too late that we're already booked by someone yeah. else. So I've missed out on some of the repeats. That's been disappointing. But, you know, then we meet new people and they stay somewhere else in another yeah. nice listening someplace. Yeah, I got that quite a lot as well, uh, messages from previous guests. And <laughs> like you said, uh, I, I usually have to disappoint them as well. Yeah. Um, but that's, uh, you know, that's part of, of being a successful host, I guess. Right, yeah. right. So did you start, you're renting out a room here. I'm actually, we're in the apartment, actually. We're, we're in your house right now. So I've, I've seen the room. It's a, still the same room that you rented out in 2009, right? Yep. Still the same same room. We We did create... Um, a listing for our own bedroom as well. And we've rented that out a few times, but only when we're away, obviously. And occasionally we rent that one out. But the the main listing, Mission Sunshine with Private Bath is, is what it's called, mm -hmm. um, is is the same one that's been available since 2009. Okay. And you, do you rent it out full time or do you pick the dates that you want to rent out? Um, it's, it's available pretty much full time. And then obviously if we have someone coming to visit, we'll block it out or on occasion we block it out for random things. We're going to be away for a night or something or, you know, whatever works out, or maybe we're having friends over to play poker and we're going to be a, we know we're going to be up late and loud late and it's not yeah. so fun to have a guest to worry about. So we'll block it out for things like that. Yeah. So can you tell us some of your most memorable experiences. Let's let's start with one really good memorable. Um, I'm sure you have tons. I do have tons, and it's hard to pick one. Yeah. Um, one one nice experience we had. We met a woman, Lori, who she was staying. She lived in Los Angeles, and she wanted to move to San Francisco. So she came and stayed with us for a week, and she stayed with someone in Hayes Valley, I think, for a week, and then someone in maybe the Hate or someplace like that for a week, just to try out different neighborhoods in San Francisco and get a feel for where she might like to try to move if she were able to move here. And then she eventually did get to move here and she called us and we saw her a few times um, and then we sort of lost touch. But then I ran into her not too long ago. Um, she got a job working at a bookstore in Noe Valley and um, I went in to offer them or talk to them about carrying the book that I published. Um, and there was Lori working in this bookstore, which was really funny to oh, have okay. it all come kind of full right. circle which eventually will lead to us talking about the, the book I'm talking about. But yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that a little uh, yep. further on. Um, okay, cool. So, you know, that, like you said, you've had almost all your experience were good, but you did tell me, because we <laughs> talked a little bit before we started recording, so you did tell me that you had one negative experience. So let's, let's the, hear that one. The one really negative experience I had was, you know, kind of a, kind of a misunderstanding with guests, I guess. I, I call it that because... I like to think of it more positively than it felt at the time. But 
it was a booking where one party booked the room and was meeting another party here. The woman was meeting her friend here. And he was going to be in San Francisco to attend a conference and speak at the conference. And I, I think that perhaps he was annoyed at the kind of room that she booked, like to have this shared experience and, you know, Wendy and I saying hello to him in the morning and things like that and having to share the unit with our dog or whatever. I think he was maybe looking for a suite at the Marriott yeah, where he could call the concierge and room service and, and have people, you know, cater to him nonstop. And that's not really our, our hosting style or friendly and um, very, you know, generous, but he was a little unreasonable in his demands. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you remember some of the demands that he had? Oh, uh, it ended up with, uh, he, he was making a lot of noise in the morning and the, the last thing that happened that makes it the worst of experiences that I've had was I, I came up and it was like four o'clock in the morning. So it was a pretty unreasonable time by any definition, I would think. But he was banging something in the kitchen and I asked if he was maybe making a noise. And he was like, you mean like this? And he started doing it again, bang, bang, bang. And I reached over and I put my hand on the thing he was banging. And I was like, you, you have to stop banging that. You've got to try to be quiet in the mornings. And he basically said, no, I don't. I'm paid. I paid my money and I can do whatever I want. And wow. He went back into his room and closed the door and then he he left before I saw him again that day. But when I saw the person who had booked, the other person who was with him, I said, you know, maybe maybe you guys should check out. I'll refund your money. And this doesn't seem like the kind of place that he's happy with. Um, and she said she sort of apologized for his behavior and said she'd try to keep him away from us. And they were here for another three nights and we just kind of stayed downstairs in our room and avoided seeing them. But that's not the energy you want in your home, like wow. to, to have that go on. But the other thing about that is, you know, hosting is sort of in my job for seven years. I'm, I've been hosting and to have that be like the worst day of work in seven years is a pretty good bad day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, out of like over 400 stays of one yeah, you know, you have to deal with a little bit of uh, noise in the night. Yeah, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's not but so bad. On the other hand, <laughs> it's pretty crazy that someone would, you know, stay in somebody else's home and start banging something in the in the kitchen at four a.m. That's that's just blows my mind a bit. Yeah, but I think I think you're right. You know, some people, most people understand what Airbnb is. I think. But yeah, especially like if you're if somebody else books it and you're not really aware of what's going on. And you were expecting like a five-star experience, five-star hotel experience. Yeah, it is different, you know. And I guess uh, I've had the same uh, thing, actually. I had one group of guests. It was actually a couple from Canada. And, you know, they told me the, the day after they arrived, they told me that my apartment was completely unacceptable. And they said, you know, we want our money back immediately. And otherwise, we will write to Airbnb that they should ban you. And you know, I already had like 150 positive reviews. You know? yeah. I've never, I've never had anyone who complained, other than like some minor things that you know that can happen. Like I don't know, maybe the the, the internet sh shut down one time or something like right, that. You know, right. or some people saying, "Oh, you should maybe get some more towels." Yeah, you yeah. know, small things that you just learn, you know, through your uh, experience. But uh, 
As, it's funny actually that you mentioned the Marriott because that's where my guests went <laughs> after they stayed in my place. They, I because uh, I had to refund them the money, right? Yeah. Because even though I thought it was insane, I still figured, well, if you're not staying, then you don't have to pay for it. So I only had them pay for the first night. Yeah. And then uh, so I asked him like, okay, well, you know, how do you want me to refund your money? And he said like, well, you can you can leave the cash at the front desk. So I was like, okay, well, where are you? He goes, I'm in the Marriott. <laughs> So I think that 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 probably explains yeah. what he was expecting. I think Airbnb has broad appeal to a lot of different people, but it's certainly not for every single people, every single person in the world. And and right. there are some people who unfortunately have to try it out and discover, hey, this isn't what I want, and yeah. that doesn't always go great. But um, luckily, it doesn't have happened too many times because yeah, I, I mean, one family that came to stay. Um, they came from China, and I don't know if it was a language language problem or what it was, but when they arrived, they didn't realize that they hadn't booked a whole flat. They didn't know they would mm-hmm. be sharing the the apartment with Wendy and I. And um, I offered their money. I said, you know, I hate to have someone stay here who doesn't want to be here. And um, I tried to help them find another place, and they ended up just staying staying here. And when they left, um, the the son who could speak a little bit of English, told me that he was really disappointed when they got here that they had to share the apartment with us. But by the time they left, he was really happy that he had had that experience. He said it helped him connect with San Francisco on a whole different level just Mm -hmm. by asking questions of Wendy and I and getting recommendations for where to go and what to do. And he, he even said that he had places booked ahead, but not all of them, on the rest of their trip in California. And he was going to try to stay in a shared room versus a, a full flat in mm-hmm. the ones that he hadn't booked yet because he liked the experience so much. So, you know, depending on the personality, I think even when it goes wrong, it, it can end up going right. Yeah. Well, that's actually uh, really cool. Yeah, yeah. That's somebody uh, who didn't want to stay at an Airbnb and was kind of like accidentally did. Yeah. And then, uh, and then actually really liked it. That's, that's great. So one thing that I really want to talk about is, you know, what do you think, what have you learned throughout these seven years? Like what's, if so, if I were to ask you, you know, let's say somebody wants to start out with Airbnb, what's like the, the number one piece of advice that you have for, for a less experienced host? Um, be, be honest in your listening. That's the, the only time we've ever had really like big problems is where someone thought something was going to be one way and it ended up when they got here, it was something different. And that's totally frustrating for someone who's booked a room. And if it's if it's their fault, like this family I just talked about from China, it, there's not a lot you can do about it. But if it's your fault for having something sort of deceptive in your listing or something that, um, you know, there's that natural tendency to make your listing sound as great as possible. But there's something to be said for being realistic versus like hyping it beyond what it really is. Um, yeah. So I'd yeah, say no, that. that's a that's a that's a great point. And uh, even if you mention something in your listing, and it turns out that guests overlook it, you know, maybe it's a good idea to put it in a more prominent place somewhere. You know. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's always, you know, when when a guest is wrong about something, it's obviously maybe not your fault, right? But still, I think you want to take that opportunity and think, okay, how can I, you know, use this information, this experience to make things better more clear. I completely agree with you. You want to be as accurate as possible. 
and and mention the bad things as well. Like I, I learned this the the hard way as well when I had some people who weren't who had one complaint, and that was that you know they were woken up a few times at night uh, because you know my neighborhood is very busy, right, right. Right. And that's well, that's one of the appeals of my neighborhood. And I do mention that I do mention that it's it's a vibrant neighborhood. There's lots of bars and restaurants, you know. But I didn't specifically say, "Hey, if you're a light sleeper, you might wake up a few times, right?" Yeah. And so yeah. after that experience, I mentioned that in my listing. I say, if you are a light sleeper, and especially if you want to sleep in in the morning, then right. my home is probably not the right place for you. That's exactly what I did when I had, you know, one too many guests say it was a lot louder than I expected. I was like, oh, right. I better let people know what they, exactly, you, can, yeah. you can hear the noise from the park across the street. You can hear right. the fire engines going by. You can hear the kids running upstairs now and then. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it's, you know, because a bad experience is, is bad for both people. You know? Yeah. Like, you it doesn't want, help you as a host. It doesn't help the guests. So. You want people to, uh, to stay and be happy. Absolutely. Great. So uh, we're coming to the end of the episode, but let's let's quickly talk about a book that you wrote because you know one of the cool ah. things about Airbnb is that it empowers people to to do different things than their job because you know you it gives you a way to make some money and you know you've done something really cool. Uh, so please I, uh, tell I, us when I when I first started hosting when when Wendy and I first started hosting we uh, we did it occasionally, but as we did it more and more and got more busy, I eventually realized it could be my my main job which would free up time to do pretty much anything and one of the things that I always wanted to do was publish a book it's a book that my sister wrote and it was inspired by my nephew her son when he was almost 4 year 4 years old he asked uh, is 4 a little or a lot and they had a conversation about 4 and it inspired my sister Cheska to write a book called 4 is a little 4 is a lot and it's a great story. It's appropriate for four-year-olds. It ends up with a birthday party for the reader with a bunch of children celebrating four is a lot when you're not three anymore. So I knew it would make a great gift for kids turning four. And uh, I wanted to share it with all the all the young children that I knew, but it had never been published because publishing is the kind of thing that takes a lot of time. So yep. I worked with my sister and we found four different illustrators and a printer and I made a book. Um, we released the hardback just on April 4th, 4-4, the four theme, as you can tell. 2014? Uh, no, this was this year, 2016. <laughs> but it was... Uh, you didn't want to wait until 2024? <laughs> 2044? <laughs> we do have a paperback version that costs $4 at our uh, website, which is philosophy, F-O-U-R-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y, philosophy.com. Um, and we give 4% of our profits to each of four different charities, so 16% and all. And we've raised thousands of dollars for a writing charity that's just around the corner from us, 826 Valencia, and for an art museum for children, um, a hands-on art class kind of museum in Framingham, where my sister lives. So it's been a great project, and uh, it's been fun to share with our Airbnb guests. I can sort of see, like, I have a copy in the guest room so that people can see it and a little note explaining how Airbnb helped me to share it and achieve this sort of lifelong dream or long-time dream of getting it out there. And uh, a lot of them have purchased copies to take back to children where they are. And then, you know, you see like, oh, look, here's three more orders coming in from that person who went back to Australia. I wonder, right. you know, so I, I feel like Airbnb has been really helpful, not just in 
creating the opportunity to to make the book, but in also helping me get it out there and spread around the world. Yep. I read an article with an Uber driver once who said that he was he was driving Uber while working on a startup, but he found that the startup was a great place to network. And he had found an engineer who was a passenger and he'd found financiers who were passengers and he couldn't give up the Uber driving, even though financially he could, he couldn't give it up because of the connections it was making. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of that sort of that part of the sharing economy that is really cool to me that you can, you can share everything, not just your home through Airbnb, but you can sort of share your passions and help them spread around the world. Absolutely. So for those who have uh, children, especially if they're three or four years old, uh, forphilosophy.com, uh, I'll put it up in the show notes. And it's, uh, like you said, it's a great birthday present. Yeah. For, you yeah. Know, if, you, if you go to a child's birthday, the child becomes four years old. It's a cool uh, birthday gift. Actually, the, the person that I'm staying with in San Francisco, David of, uh, of Hostfully, who you know, right? He, uh, <laughs> he actually has 20 copies. And he says, yeah, I just have enough copies for, you know, the next like 10 years for whenever I know somebody who has a four-year-old child who, who, uh, or somebody who has a child that becomes four years old. And uh, I thought that was quite funny. The thing about a, a four-year-old, if you have a four-year-old, you end up going to many, many four-year-old birthday parties. Like that, <laughs> that is the first year really for a lot of kids where the birthday party is a big deal because right. they can anticipate turning four and most kids can't anticipate turning three. Right. So this oh, is the first okay. time where they have the recollection of Interesting, of yeah. a birthday and they start to anticipate it. So there's a lot of fourth birthday parties and all my friends who had four-year-olds were like, oh, can't do that. We're going to another birthday party this week. Oh, I got to go get a gift for the four. I have another fourth birthday mm -hmm. this week. So one of the things we wanted to do was make it so there would be an affordable gift that people could take that wasn't like some plastic trinket from China or some sugar-loaded yeah. sugar candy bomb, which are all popular gifts for that age. And I thought, well, if we could get a kid reading a book instead of breaking their plastic toy in 10 minutes, then yeah. I, that would be an upgrade in my mind. Or some people will even give their four-year-olds iPads now. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's another one there. <laughs> all right. Very, very cool. Uh, well, thanks so much, Ivan, for, for sharing your story. It's Can been, I uh, been super interesting. We, can I mention one other thing? We, we sure. talked about, uh, you mentioned David and Hostfully, who yeah, was uh, the previous episode. Um, I use Hostfully as a tool and it's been, it's been great for uh, sharing different things with our guests and has definitely cut down on some of the management part of Airbnb and answering the same questions over and over mm -hmm. and things. Something about the Hostfully guide gets the information to the, the guests that, I guess it's because I made it, but the, the information that I want them to see for sure um, yep. once they're booked. Um, so it's been a, a handy tool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So shout out to Hostfully. Uh, and of course, we had uh, the founders on the podcast last week. But uh, for those who haven't listened to it, Hostfully is a di digital app that you can use. Well, it's not an app. It's basically a digital guidebook. Digital and, guidebook. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. really easy to send to your guests. I'm using it as well now. And it's, it's been great. Yeah. So uh, Hostfully.com, if you want to check that out. It's been fun watching all the little side businesses pop up around Airbnb over the years from the beginning, like beyond, <laughs> we use beyond pricing to price our listing and we've yeah, used some of the, use that as well. some of the cleaning services to help us out now and then. So yeah, it's been cool to watch all the industry grow up around yeah. the Airbnb. It's anyway. really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on the show. I uh, appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, thank you. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe in the future we can uh, have you back on and, uh, 
maybe another nine years. What is it? Seven years. <laughs> Make sure you book early. So though, when you come to town or uh, you won't be able to stay with me. <laughs> All, right, cool. All right. So uh, thanks a lot. Uh, and to the listeners, uh, thanks for listening. And of course, uh, next Monday, there's another uh, episode of uh, Get Paid for Your Pet. So we'll see you then. Yeah.